welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we're joined by a lovely guest, Kirsten McLennan. She's the author of the new release book, This is Infertility. She's an infertility advocate and an IVF ambassador, sorry, actually IVF Bible ambassador and an IVF surrogacy mom as well. Kirsten joins us today to share her fertility journey and share her inspiration behind her book. And of course, tell us how we can purchase it. So welcome, Kirsten, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay, thank you. And I know that you actually also write for um, Fertility Magazine's blogs and video blogs as well. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yay. So thank you for joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, six o'clock at night here. <laughs> yeah, it's such a huge time difference, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. It is. <laughs> so welcome and thank you for joining us today to start off we usually say tell us a little bit about yourself yeah sure um so I live in Melbourne Australia with my husband Ryan and our son Spencer who is three years old um I've always worked in corporate communications and so mainly employee communications but um as you mentioned Ola, I'm really passionate about raising awareness about infertility. So I do this through my Instagram, which is um, at Straight Up Infertility. And um, as you mentioned, through writing for magazines like IVF Babble. And yes, my debut book, This Is Infertility, has just come out, um, which is really exciting. And yeah, otherwise in my spare time, um, we love to travel, although that's obviously been limited the past few years with COVID, but yeah. usually like to travel. Um, I love reading books and writing and, you know, going out for dinner, catching up with friends and, um, of course, being a mum, spending time with Spencer. So, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Oh, yes. Oh, wonderful. Sounds exciting. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. No worries. And was there a particular time that you knew you wanted to be a mum? Because we're having that conversation about fertility today. So I just mm. wondered, was there any particular time? Yeah, look, um, I think in my 20s, I always thought I would want to be a mum, but it wasn't until I'd say I was around 30. um, Once I was married, so we married in 2011. And, um, you know, that's when we started to seriously think about when we wanted to be parents. And it was about 18 months after we got married that we felt the time was right. So, yeah, I'd say in my early 30s. My 30s, wow. And uh, would you like to share as much or as little as you'd like uh, about your journey to parenthood? Yes, so um, I might just focus on some of the key parts because um, it is quite a long journey. So Mm -hmm. our son Spencer was born in 2019, uh, actually in the US through international surrogacy. And this was after a six-year infertility journey. Yeah, so I went over to the US <laughs> and, um, you know, basically, you know, as I mentioned, after we got married, it was probably about 18 months after we got married, we started to try for a family. And I think like many women, I just didn't think there would be any issues. Um, 
had no infertility issues that I was aware of. Um, And I thought we would fall pregnant straight away. And, you know, six months went by, nothing had happened. And around nine months, I started to get, you know, upset and confused about what was happening. So we went to see a fertility specialist just to do some basic, um, I shouldn't say basic, but some of the standard tests. So checking my hormone levels and Ryan sperm count, that sort of thing. And it was at this appointment that she um, diagnosed me with having polycystic ovaries. And she said, oh, this could be the reason that you're not falling pregnant. And so she prescribed Clomid, which is a medication to help you ovulate. And I thought, oh, perfect. This is a solution. I'll just take this pill and we'll be pregnant in no time. And um, we did four months of Clomid. So, four, you know, tried four times and no pregnancy. So we went back to um, the fertility specialist and she recommended IUI, which... Um, you know, for people who don't know IUI is where, you know, they track your ovulation um, um, through ultrasounds and then, you know, pop a catheter up there with, um, you know, sperm. And, you know, that was <laughs> that was the next step that we tried. And I thought that would definitely work. And we did that four times and it didn't work. Um, and so at this stage, we actually then changed to another fertility um, uh, specialist who was more focused on IVF. And sure enough, she... Uh, recommended that we do IVF and the first transfer failed. The second transfer, um, we had what's known as pregnancy of an unknown location, which meant that the embryo had implanted somewhere, but not in the uterus. It hadn't implanted in the fallopian tubes like an atopic. So they just, they didn't know where it had implanted. So um, I had a, DNC a curate um, and and that didn't work and then in the end I have had to have methotrexate which is um, like a chemotherapy agent um, and and then that worked um, so that was just an awful time um, and, and that seemed to drag yes. on for, for quite some time so and it was such a strange um, experience as well because it just wasn't it's just not very common so I hadn't met anyone that yeah. had this. Um, before and so then we had to have three months off because um, you know I'd taken this methotrexate which is um, you know it can be toxic so uh, with pregnancy so had three months off and then you know tried again another you know failed transfer and then it was around this time that our specialists started to say um, oh you know your lining is a bit thin your endometrium lining um, but you know it's like it should be fine. And I, I mean, I, at that stage, I didn't know what the endometrium lining was. I didn't know, you know, why it was important. And so I started to research it myself, started to Google it and, you know, found that, well, in Australia, the um, endometrium lining needs to be six millimetres or more to do a transfer. But in the US, for example, it needs to be eight millimetres or more. And when I started to research it, um, you know, I was reading a lot that, um, you know, a healthy line is between 10 and 12 millimetres and that, anything under six, it's like virtually impossible to fall pregnant. And, um, you know, the miscarriage rate is really high. And my lining was always sort of late fives. And in some cases, it was in the fours. Um, Whenever it was in the fours, they just cancelled the cycle. So we had four cancelled cycles as well throughout our treatment, which I actually found in a way the cancelled cycles harder than the failed cycles because, you know, you, you take all the medication and you'd go in for the um you know the scans every couple of days and then you know I I remember on one cycle got to um day 21 and they're like 
okay, we've got to cancel it now. Like it's just, you know, your lining's only 4.6. It hasn't budged. You know, we can't do a transfer. And I was like, what a what, you know, three weeks of that for nothing. So, um, so because, you know, I was learning through my own research that the lining was an issue, um, we decided to change specialists and we saw a specialist who, you know, focuses more on implantation issues. And it was at that very first appointment that he said, um, I think you need to do surrogacy. And, you know, we were completely taken aback. And he said, you know, the endometrium line is crucial. It's crucial to falling pregnant, staying pregnant. Um, And, you know, this is the reason why you're not falling pregnant. Um, And, you know, at the time we'd never met anyone that had done surrogacy. I'd never met a surrogate. It's not very common in Australia. So, you know, we just felt really overwhelmed and we just felt like we just weren't ready yet to do that. So um, we said, look, can we try a few other things? first and you know he he agreed uh, you know supported our decision um so you know we tried you know a few different things and different medications and that and you know my lining did thicken up a little bit but it was still always low it was always still like in the early sixes at at best um and the other thing was that we were transferring in pgs embryos so genetically tested embryos so you know they were always failing as well so anyway we had you know another failed cycle and then we actually did fall pregnant um, on one of our transfers and, you know, with a PGS embryo and, you know, we went in for a scan at seven weeks and, you know, just one of those horrible, horrible days where, um, you know, at the ultrasound she said, um, you know, look, the thing is that, you know, the baby's measuring too small for seven weeks and the heart, you know, the heart beats too slow and I you know I don't think this pregnancy is viable which Ooh. you know we're absolutely shattered we thought oh finally we're pregnant and it's worked and we went in two days later for a follow-up um scan and the heartbeat had stopped then so mm. so that was awful and it was you know like a missed miscarriage because I'd had no symptoms at all of no miscarriage symptoms at all so we didn't even know until that first scan so um so that was really difficult um and then we decided to do another transfer and it was another failed transfer. And then at this point we thought, okay, we should actually seriously consider surrogacy because, you know, we'd been, we'd been doing IVF for a few years now and we'd had, you know, obviously all these challenges and, um, and I thought, well, we should listen to our specialist now. If he's saying surrogacy is your best bet, then <laughs> surrogacy is your best bet. So we actually started, um, surrogacy in Canada and um we yeah so we were matched really quickly with um this lovely woman Julie who had three kids of her own um and we flew over for the transfer so flew from Melbourne to Toronto and you know we had our embryos back here in Melbourne so we shipped them uh transported them across um which is really standard practice um a lot of people trans transport um you know eggs embryos sperm like every week whether they're doing surrogacy or they're changing clinics or whatever it is uh but (laughs) and this was definitely i would say the lowest point of our journey um when we went to the clinic um in toronto and you know we were in the waiting room waiting for the for the transfer and the transfer time you know came and went we're like what is happening and um then you know um, a nurse came out and said oh look the specialist would like to see you uh, would like to see you and Ryan and um, you know I thought he was just wanting to say hi but <laughs> my husband you know knew that something was wrong and you know he's you know he said to us look we 
went to, um, you know, thaw the, you know, we opened the container, went to thaw the embryos um, and the container was empty. There were no embryos what? inside. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely devastating. And we actually, to this day, we don't know what happened. Um, you know, the possibilities are that either the container wasn't packed correctly at the Melbourne Clinic or it was x-rayed in transit, um, which it's not oh. meant to be. And there's very clear instructions to not x-ray. But if it had been x-rayed, then that would have destroyed the embryos or it wasn't unpacked correctly at the other end. But, we, yeah, we, we don't know what happened, but it was just devastating because we'd flown all that way. We finally thought this is it. We've got our, you know, good embryos, our PGS embryos, got a, you know, this this lovely woman um, doing surrogacy for us. And we thought that it would work. We'd be pregnant in no time. And then to find out that all the embryos were gone was just heartbreaking. So that was Canada, our Canada experience, which was really difficult. Um, and so, yeah, we flew back. <laughs> to melbourne and um then we decided to do surrogacy in the u.s <laughs> so we changed we changed course basically and um, we went through utah fertility center um which were fantastic and dr russell fook who actually wrote the introduction um for my book um who was amazing and we were matched really quickly with um our beautiful surrogate leah and you know it was one of those things where you know, we Skyped with Leah and her husband, um, Josh, and we just had that instant connection, like straight away, just instant rapport and, you know, just knew that this was the woman that we wanted to carry our baby and that, you know, we trusted 100%. So, wow. um, you know, to cut a long story short, we did a, um, we did a transfer and the first transfer failed. And, again, we were, we were so stumped. We just thought, oh, you know, finally it should work. Why isn't it working? And, um we actually then did an endometrium array, um, no, an endometrium receptability array right. test, which measures like um, the best time the endometrium is receptive to an embryo. And, you know, for most people, it's doing the transfer on day five, but sometimes, you know, um, you're more receptive if the transfer is a little bit earlier or a little bit later, and, and by a little bit earlier or later, like a few hours either side. And I think we came back as pre-receptive. I can't remember if it's pre or post, but either way, we changed the transfer time by a few hours and the second transfer worked um, and we fell pregnant and we were just absolutely over the moon. Um, we had a first scan at seven weeks and everything was perfect. The baby was measuring really well. The heartbeat was strong. Leah's hormone levels were high, so everything was looking great. Um the next scan was at nine weeks and the time difference meant that it was going to be 3 a.m. our time. So given everything was going along so well, um, you know, we decided that, you know, Leah and Josh would record um, uh, the scan and, you know, take some photos. Yeah. And then when we woke up, we would just call and, and um, uh, so woke up at 6 a.m. because, you know, I think I just woke up early, be anxious, and um, there's no messages on my phone. And I just knew something bad had happened because, you know, Leah's such a great communicator. And I just expected to wake up to like, you know, 10 million, of, you know, photos and videos. Yeah. And um, Ryan was asleep um, beside me. And I saw his phone on the bedside table and I could just see a message, like a WhatsApp message um, on his screen. And, you know, all I could read because, you know, you know, cut off, but all it said was, it was from Josh saying, I'm so sorry, but we've lost the baby. And 
oh, it was just, yeah, it was just absolutely gut-wrenching. It was, yeah, it was really, really hard. And, you know, it was so incredibly difficult for Leah. Um, You know, she felt immense guilt, which, you know, as we know, pregnancy loss is completely outside of anyone's control. Um, And, but, you know, she felt like she'd let us down. And, you know, when we called her, you know, she just couldn't stop crying and oh, it was just the whole experience was just absolutely awful um it's just devastating and what had caused the miscarriage was a sub subchronic hematoma which um oh. you know can't be prevented can't be treated um and you know for most pregnancies it's fine like a lot of women have them and you know go on to have absolutely healthy um pregnancies but in you know um, rare cases uh, like ours, the um, hematoma, hematoma where it was positioned, it cut off supply from the placenta to the baby, and therefore um, that was yeah what um, caused a miscarriage. So so obviously we we're all very very um, you know just all felt broken at that point, um, and you know yeah. at that point also I thought I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like it just just thought oh what next <laughs> you know. So um, we really had to kind of dig deep to to pull ourselves out. And, you know, we had, you know, one last transfer in um, the contracts, you know, you do a contract surrogacy. And, you know, Leah was like, this isn't the end of our story. Like I I really want to help you be a family and, you know, I really want to try again. Uh, Absolutely amazing given everything she'd gone through. She was, you know, she's such such a selfless person. She was like, no, I really want to try again. And so we did try again and then fell pregnant with Spencer and nine months later we had Spencer so (laughs) and um, yeah flew over and we're actually in Utah for (laughs) five weeks because and we stay with Leah and Josh so they invited us to stay with them and we you know were there two weeks before the birth and then three weeks once Spencer was born all living together and you know we're all so close now and you know um you know we talk all the time Leah sends um you know Leah and Josh sorry send um presents for Spencer's birthday and send presents for Christmas and yeah we've just built a really beautiful um friendship and relationship and you know without Leah there would be no Spencer so that's the story in a nutshell (laughs) wow what a journey I feel like that was a lot to get through (laughs) I was trying to not um, waffle on too much, but that's, no, no, that's no. Most of it. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I'm so sorry about your losses. Thank you. uh, listening to you, I just thought, wow, how did you manage all of that? There was so much that you mm. went through, and the fact that even surrogacy was so not well yes. known. You know, mm. so to be to be having to explore something that not lots of people around you were doing. And then having to travel overseas as well. Mm, Yes, yes, it was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. How did you find support during that time? Yeah, look, um, you know, my husband uh, was a great support, but then also, you know, he was going through the same thing. So, you know, while we could support each other, sometimes we needed other support. Um, But, you know, our families were great. Um, You know, I've got some really good friends that were amazing. Um, I had a counsellor or psychologist um, who I met with regularly as well. Right. So I met with her once a week. Um, so from I met with her 
from when we had our first miscarriage, oh, no, second miscarriage, um, yeah, up until surrogacy. So I spoke with her for a few years, actually. Um, and, you know, what I did find, though, that at the time there wasn't really an active, you know, TTC online community then. There weren't, you mm-hmm. know, coaches or podcasts, like, like all the great work that you're doing. Like I found that there wasn't a lot back then because we started trying, you know, it was like what, nine, ten years ago, but, um, you know, today I think that the TTC community and fertility coaches are a fantastic support and, um, you know, I think I definitely would have been, you know, leaning on the TTC community and, and fertility coaches quite a bit, um, you know, because they'd been, yeah, around back then. So, but, yeah, like I said, I had great um, family and friends and psychologists to help, yeah. Wonderful. And those are great resources even now for people to lean on during the fertility journey because yes. it can be so overwhelming. It's so much and still mm. such a taboo subject and highly stigmatized. Yes, true. Yeah. And like you said, even now that the TTC community is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people speaking about it, but it's still, like I said, highly stigmatized. Um, yes. pregnancy losses, alternative paths to parenthood, infertility is still like there's still a lot of things that people don't want to speak about and mostly keep quiet. Mm. So why did you choose to speak out and share your story and even start your page? Mm. Uh, yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. I feel like, you know, that it is still highly stigmatized and there's just a lot of misconception around infertility and, yeah. um, and also around pregnancy loss. And I mean, I... <laughs> I feel like every single woman going through infertility has heard at least once you just need to relax Mm, or it'll happen once you stop trying Mm -hmm. Um, or everyone seems to know someone, not someone personally, but they know, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who they were doing IVF for years and the minute they stopped trying and they stopped thinking about it and they went on holiday, they fell (laughs) pregnant naturally and... (laughs) Um, which is just laughable because, you know, it's, it's a medical condition and it's, you know, like, like Dr. Fook says, actually, in my um, introduction in my book, he says, you wouldn't tell someone with cancer just to stop thinking about it. Just, you know, relax you know? and get better. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is no different. This is no different. Infertility is a reproductive disease. That's how it's been defined by the World Health Organization. It's something that millions of people struggle with. And it's, you know, outside of your control. It's not your fault. Um and so, you know, I was I was passionate about making sure through the Instagram and through my book that, you know, I'd be kind of, um, you know, focused on educating, I suppose, people a bit more and trying to bust some of those misconceptions. Um, you know, one of the funniest misconceptions, which I've only come across once, but was actually um, on the way over to Toronto when we went for the, um, for the surrogacy transfer. And I was sitting next to these two guys and... Um, you know, couldn't help but overhear their conversation. And, you know, one of them was talking about a friend who was going through infertility. And then he just suddenly goes, you know, but it's so strange because she's really attractive. Like, <laughs> she's stunning. Like, I don't know why it's not happening for them. And the other guy's like, wow. oh, yeah, that is strange. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, there's a new one. Like, you know, <laughs> infertility is linked to how attractive you are. You know, so exactly anyway like, just wow. oh i just thought oh my goodness like all the misconceptions <laughs> out there i thought that just tops the list but um but yeah so i i do feel that like and like you say you know highly stigmatized that you know um 
you know, a lot of women feel guilt and shame, like they're doing something wrong and they're not, you know, it's, you know, same with pregnancy loss, it's outside of of your control and it's definitely not your fault. So yeah, I was passionate about, you know, I am passionate about getting that message across. Thank you. And thank you for all you're doing. Your page is amazing. Uh, Oh, thank you. (laughs) You always have so then yeah thank you thank you so much for all that you're doing and you know talking about your journey was wow like you really did go through so much and I cannot imagine how that was um and of course you know you don't go through something like that without it leaving an impact so Mm. I wonder like looking back now and who you are today how do you think that whole journey has changed you or impacted you yeah, look, um, I'd say at the time, you know, everything we went through was just really hard and, yeah. you know, I often felt sad and I felt jealous. Uh, I felt jealous of people falling pregnant, especially when they fell pregnant very quickly or like, oh, we weren't even trying. And, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I felt anxious. I felt angry at the unfairness of it all. Um, but, you know, on, on the other side of things, like once Spencer was born, um, a real sense of gratitude and you know I think that's that can be a gift um, you know I feel like the first you know six months of Spencer's life every morning I picked him up out of his cot I cried every day I cried every morning wow. like but you know these happy tears are so overwhelmed with gratitude and that we you know finally blessed to have him and I just you know just felt like crying but um but you know that feeling of gratitude which you know I think um you know, is something that you get more when, you know, you go through something really tough. Um, and, of course, gratitude for Leah and Josh um, and how much they yeah. helped us. Um, as I said before, without Leah, there would be no Spencer. Um, you know, and she's given a gift not only to us but, you know, to my parents, Ryan's parents, our siblings. Like, you know, so many people have been, you know, touched by this and are just so grateful to have him, you know, in their lives. Um I would say my marriage as well. Um, I know that, you know, when Ron and I took those vows, for better or for worse, through sickness and in health, we didn't actually yeah. expect that, like, you know, only a year or so later we'd be putting them to the test. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we <laughs> went through something really hard together and, you know, it's made us stronger as a couple. So that's definitely impacted us as well. Um, impacted. And then I suppose the final thing would just be, you know, empathy. Like I think... Yeah. You know, if I think of some of the most empathetic people in my life, um, family members and friends, you know, unfortunately they've endured some really tough times. Um, you know, I do think that sometimes these struggles and challenges, they give us a strong sense of empathy and, and again, gratitude. So I feel like that, that there are a few positive things that, that came out of, of um, you know, our journey to parenthood in, in the end. So, yeah. yeah. So well said, Kristen. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and of course, when you speak about Leah and um, Josh, and yeah. they sound like such an amazing couple. Like, yes, just, amazing. I can't imagine how selfless it must be. And you know, of course, like I said yeah. as well, the guilt they felt when that happened, which you know, it wasn't their fault, mm. but they really wanted to um, help make it happen for you. Um, yes, after all you've been through. But of yeah, course, surrogacy exactly. is still yeah. yeah. Surrogacy is still something that is, again, not really understood. Uh, there's so much misconceptions about it. 
Yes, so, that's true. <laughs> if you had to share any misconceptions that you're aware of, what would you say mm. are some of them about surrogacy? Yeah, um, I would say a lot of people commented, um, you know, is it going to be really difficult for Leah to give the baby up, <laughs> quote unquote, right. mm-hmm. um, you know, and she'll bond with the baby and give the baby up. And, you know, Leah was actually a surrogate um, before before us. So she helped oh. um, a couple in Spain um, a year before and and had a beautiful, um, helped them have a beautiful baby boy. And, um, you know, like she said to me at the time, she's like, well, no, I, you know, I saw the baby just as I, you know, I felt towards the baby just as I would feel towards you know, a sibling or a good friend's baby, but, you know, nothing more. And she actually said, oh, I actually found it much more difficult saying goodbye to the parents who (laughs) had such a strong bond with and had this relationship with for so long than I did the baby. So (laughs) she's like, it's the baby was never mine to begin with. And she'd always say things like, "Um, I'm extreme babysitting or I've got a hitchhiker on board, (laughs) you know, so she was able to separate it, um, you know, really well. But a lot of people asked that question um or people would say oh you know um we'll be able to name the baby I'm like well yeah genetically (laughs) and um you know legally the baby's house yeah I think we'll be able to pick the name (laughs) that's an interesting one yeah that's an interesting one and oh this is this is the worst one um like a guy that Ryan had um worked with at one stage you know after a few drinks said to him so like did you have to like sleep with the surrogate I mean, Whoa. how ridiculous. How ridiculous. Like, no, no, let me talk you through ideas. <laughs> exactly. How it all works. <laughs> it was on the handmaid's tale. <laughs> yeah. Not that, not that kind of exciting so, yeah. stuff. No. No, exactly. What? So yeah, definitely, definitely some misconceptions. And then I suppose the final thing is um, you know, and Look, if you Google surrogacy, that you're gonna you're gonna find there's a lot of different opinions and comments, and there is a view mm, that it's yeah. exploiting women. Um, and mm. you know, in some countries, that look that may be the case. Um, certainly not in the US. And you know, it was something. You know, Leah will say like they got just as much out of it as as we did. You know, like, yeah. like she just loves doing it, and like I said, we've got a beautiful relationship and friendship, and you know, she'll be in our they'll be in our lives forever. Um, yeah. But of course, like I have, I have heard awful stories of, um, you know, babies being born and, um, you know, sort of being taken off the surrogate and hurried into another room with the intended parents waiting and and the intended parents never meeting the surrogate and things like that. So th- there is yeah. a th- there is an unfortunate side to surrogacy as well. But um, certainly, you know, in the US and, and through, again, we went through Utah Fertility Centre, which you know who were amazing. Um, you know, for us, it was a really beautiful wonderful experience so yeah yeah thank you for sharing Kristen. and it's so important that you that people hear your story people see your platform people read your book because again there's so many misconceptions out there and mm-hmm. hearing actual real stories of how the surrogacy journey can be and it was for you is important mm-hmm. so people have uh, a balanced view yes of course like you highlighted yeah. there are some not so great stories out there but well, there are mm. many great stories as well. So it's mm. important for yes. people to, to hear and know that. And it's actually even know the options because, again, sometimes you're not even sure what to do and how to go about mm. it or who to speak to. Mm. So, yes, yes, true, true. 
true. So thank you for all that you're doing and for your new book, This <laughs> yes. Fertility. Yay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the inspiration behind that? Why did you decide to write the book? Yeah. Um, so I actually started writing it when I was on maternity leave because um, when Spencer was about nine months old, we went into lockdown in Melbourne with COVID and it was oh, quite a long oh, lockdown. Oh. So yeah, it was. I didn't know what else to do. So, <laughs> so you know, I didn't bake bread. I started to write. Um, <laughs> and, you know, once I started writing, it just poured out of me. I found it so therapeutic to um, to write um, our story. And, you know, um, like I said before, I've, you know, I've always loved writing. Like I've, I've made a career out of writing. And so... Um, actually writing our story was just so wonderful. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, really my motivation was, you know, I just wanted to share my story to help others. Um, you know, so in the book, like I share our challenges and our heartbreak, but also all the good stuff as well and everything that we learned along the way. And um, just want people to read it and to feel less alone because I know how isolating and lonely infertility can be so um I just want this to be you know a story that yeah people feel less alone and also as we we're talking about before breaking some of the stigma and myths yeah. <laughs> around infertility and pregnancy loss as well um so to you know have it a bit educational um as well and yeah, yeah just really grateful that um you know my publisher CNR Press took a chance on me and has published my book so yeah it was um really exciting to to actually get it published as well yeah yeah and your book provides hope as well right which is so important yeah for people yeah know. exactly exactly right yeah yeah and fertility and pregnancy loss can be so much to deal with even with the best support mm. so hearing other people's stories reading a book like yours really does help it makes a difference it lets people know yes there's some really mm. low lower uh, parts of the journey but yeah there's you know also hope of what could come to be yes yes and that's, yes and that's, that's very important mm. getting through each day so thank you for writing this book and how can we purchase it for people listening how we can give it yes, on um <laughs> <laughs> so through amazon um so it's on amazon um and also through my publisher cnr press their website um, and it is in my bio link um, on my Instagram page okay. um, at Straight Up Infertility, but probably Amazon's the best, best place. I think it's also a book depository and a few others, but I, I feel like Amazon's the, the easiest place to go to. And it will be in some bookstores, but I think that will be mainly in the US. Um, okay. But I don't know the exact ones yet. But, yeah, that's, that's a few different ways. Okay, that's great. I'll put the links as well in the details in the show notes so that way people can... Uh, get oh, their great. Copies. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And for anyone listening and wanting to reach out to you and connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, um, through my Instagram. So at Straight Up Infertility. Um, so I often have people send me um, direct messages and yeah, always love to receive messages. So yeah, please, anyone listening, please reach out anytime. Happy to, happy to hear from you. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and of course, I know that's true because I've reached out to you so many times and 
<laughs> and I feel like yes <laughs> we, <laughs> we've done so much uh and connected and done so many campaigns together all through dm so yes if anyone wants to reach yes. out to you you're always responding always willing to help thank you for all yeah, that you're doing thank you and in your journey so far uh if you had to mention one quote or affirmation that you found really helpful what would it be Gosh, I feel like there'd be, I feel like there were so many quotes like throughout <laughs> yeah. the sound so useful. Um, there is one that I like. Um, it's by an Australian author, Anna Funda. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's the author of All That I Am. Um, and she's got like in the book, um, the quote, she was brave and strong and broken all at once. Yeah, she's mm. brave and strong and broken all at once. Um, but I quite like that because I feel like that sums up how many people how many women feel during um infertility you know you can feel strong and resilient and you know doing everything you can to have a baby but you can also feel broken and that's okay it's okay not to be okay I think it's okay to have you know just a lot of different emotions so yeah I quite like that quote and then the other one I've mentioned is um this Japanese proverb um fall down seven times get up eight so I don't know there were times when I just needed like a little boost and I was like yeah like fall down sometimes get up eight like I don't know that <laughs> I found yeah. it quite motivating for some reason so like, that's the other one I like <laughs> love them thank you for sharing definitely <laughs> no and knowing what you know now if you had to go back to your younger I don't know 18 year old 21 year old Christine what would you tell her mm. oh my goodness I think I think one of the things I struggle with the most with infertility is that, you know, I was quite lucky up until my early 30s, everything had gone according to plan a little bit. So I hadn't really endured any challenges or hardships and you know, everything I kind of planned for went to plan. Um, you know, yeah. and I had plenty of friends and family members that hadn't been as um, fortunate, you know, who'd had, I don't know, um, awful illnesses or, you know, I had a couple of friends who, um you know, lost parents when we were teenagers and, um, you know, just been through awful, awful times. Um, but I think, yeah, I would tell my younger self that not everything goes according to plan. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, that, you know, it, it still can be okay in the end and, you know, yeah. reach out to people and have that support when you need it. And it's, again, it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to, ask for help but I think that's something that really threw me um you know that I was just it was something outside of my control and I've never really experienced that that before um and you know I'd also tell my younger self yeah again like don't suffer in silence like if you do go through something difficult um you know one of the best things you can do is really to lean on people and you know ask for help and to get support you know I think that can always really help you through the difficult times yeah so well said and that's true right because you know fertility that's the last thing you expect to feel any form of difficulty with because when we're younger it's just seems like oh you know you just have sex and you just get pregnant yes Yes. you know you're like oh okay absolutely yeah that's right that's right exactly yeah and looking back now you're like yeah that was so not true like yes you, and, and it's the old thing of we, we worry so much when we're younger like oh I don't want yeah. to worry accidentally <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm. thank you for sharing it really has been amazing having you on here Christina and you said so much you've shared you. 
you're listening to you and your journey it's just been so inspiring of course there were many many difficult aspects of it but we're so thankful for spencer and for leah and josh uh helping you and supporting you through the whole process and i, I it's so beautiful to hear of how your friendship has um mm. grown and mm. how you know you, you still keep supporting each other and that's such a, a beautiful story for people to hear to know that that is possible and again it's not all bad stories or surrogates mm. that exist so thank you for sharing mm. As a wrap-up, thank, thank you again for having me. Yes. <laughs> As a wrap-up, are there any words of encouragement or anything that you'd like to say to any person or couple currently trying yeah. to conceive? Yeah. Um, I'd just say that I, you know, infertility is really difficult, but you are not alone. So I think there's, you know, many of us out there. So I encourage you to find those people and to lean on them and to ask for help and to not suffer in silence, um, to connect with the TTC online community. Um, I think it's an amazing community and, you know, to listen to podcasts like these and to, to reach out to fertility coaches. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are going through exactly what you're going through um, who understand and can, and can really help. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Thank you. And to read your book. (laughs) This is infertility. You should read my book. (laughs) (laughs) This is infertility. Available now on Amazon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and to reach out. Yes, definitely. So excited. Yeah. 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 And to reach out to me into my Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kirsten. Thank you. Um, You know, of course, I love you because you're always so, like I said earlier, so helpful so supportive so willing to help and support people every single moment like every time I've reached out to you, you've been there you and you do that with all the people as well in raising awareness and just helping to build a community across the globe to support um, others so thank you so much for all that you're doing for you know joining us on this show today for this wonderful book this is infertility I can't wait to read my copy and um, <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to having you again in the near future thank you so much for sharing your story uh, your story matters and it, it's definitely helped a lot of people that have listened today and I'm sure that many others will be impacted positively so thank you so much thank you thank you so much Ola and thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it thank you, you having me forward. on the show and talking to you yeah Yes, and look forward to having you again in the near future. After we all read the book, we can come speak about oh, it again. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.